This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, listeners. Elon Dubrovsky here, and I've got a special treat for you. With this midweek bonus episode, I was able to get Brock Sagan from Daily Faceoff back on the line to provide the Daily Faceoff Quarter 1 review of the NHL season so far. So Brock and I had a really fun chat, and so let's cut to it now. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast, Brock Sagan. Thanks for having me, Elon. Glad to be back. Yeah, great to have you back. We had a lot of great feedback from your last appearance on the show, so why not bring back the editor-in-chief of DailyFaceoff.com? Yeah, we love bringing uh, the Keeping Carlson podcast to our viewers, uh, so you know it's an honor to be on the show again. All right, well, so maybe just for the people who missed the last time you were on the show, you're the editor-in-chief of this great website, Daily Faceoff, a really useful tool for people playing fantasy hockey. Do you want to give a quick overview of what that site is? Yeah, for sure. Uh, like you said, it's a fantasy hockey resource. Um, we post all the starting goalies, uh, line combinations, player uh, news as far as injuries, trades, uh, you know, line changes if somebody moves up to the top line something like that. Uh, we kind of try to fill you in with all the big news that is fantasy relevant uh, to help you know win some big bucks in fantasy hockey. Yeah, so definitely any listener that hasn't been to Daily Faceoff, you got to check it out because that's your your online source for everything you need to know when you're setting your lineup and uh, figuring out like who to pick up, who to drop. But okay, we're not here just to pimp Daily Faceoff. You were here early on in the season. You sort of gave your overview. I remember you were talking about your draft kit and some of your projections you made for some players. Now we're a quarter of the way into the hockey season, so why don't we have the daily face-off quarterly season report? So you can tell us where things stand currently, and maybe we could make this a, a tradition. Every quarter we could bring you on to give an update on where you see things. Sounds good to me. Let's get started. All right, so why don't we start by you telling me who are your top five guys that you would say have exceeded your expectations so far this season? Um, well, I definitely would say Vladimir Tarasenko has definitely got to be at the top there. I saw you know a lot from him last year. Uh, he's only 22 years old. Uh, the Blues definitely saw something in him when they made him the 16th overall pick in 2010. But you know, after 20 goal or I think he had 21 goals, 22 assists last year, so a big season was kind of you know on the horizon, but. The way he's going this year, it's just it's it's incredible. Um, he's playing, he's you know showing some really good chemistry with Latera and Schwartz, um, and it's been incredible what he's been able to do. Yeah, actually, Tarasenko's been hot all season, and I remember early on when he started so strongly, a lot of people were wondering, is he a sell high? And I definitely remember Brian was saying on the podcast, no, don't sell high because he's probably going to keep it up. And so far, so good, right? He's now. 25 games into the season he has 26 points just today against Nashville he's got two goals you know five shots he's getting like three four five shots every game what a stud Tarasenko who would have guessed yeah the, the one thing that's really nice is he's actually playing uh I, I said in my draft kit at the start of the year I said if he if he plays bigger minutes he should produce more obviously and he's actually seen I think uh, 18 minutes a year this year compared to 15 last year but the funny thing is is his shooting percentage is actually down from what it was last year 
but it's the, the extra two shots per game that's really helping them on the score sheet. Wow, yeah. So not only helpful for people whose leagues count shots, but obviously more shots leads to more goals and assists and all of that. All right, so number one of your top five players who exceeded your expectations is Vladimir Tarasenko. Who's number two? Uh, Phil Forsberg from Nashville. I mean, it seems almost illegal that they got him from Martin Erat, of all people. <laughs> um, he's playing almost se- or over 17 minutes a night this year with Ribeiro and James Neal, who are two talented veterans, and he's getting the job done. I think he's got another two points tonight, which I think gives him 25 on the year in 25 games. He had been slowing down, but after you know a hot night tonight, it looks like he's just right back on track. Um, 25 and 25, I mean, I don't really see him being a point-per-game player through the rest of the year, but he, he could definitely be you know a 40-point player in the next 60 games of the season. So if he puts up 65 points in his first full NHL season, that's not too shabby. Yeah, do you think he's the early front-runner for Rookie of the Year? I guess he's got a lot of competitions. There's been a few interesting rookies. Yeah, I think ultimately it's uh, his Rookie of the Year to, to lose, but Aaron Ekblad's definitely going to push him all year long. He's been uh, incredible down in Florida. All right, and yeah, I'm definitely enjoying the benefits. I have actually Mike Ribeiro in two of my pools, and he's definitely benefiting. I don't know, is Forsberg benefiting from playing with Ribeiro or Ribeiro benefiting from playing with Forsberg? Either way, I don't care. It works out for me. I'd love to have Forsberg, though. Yeah, I was lucky enough to grab him in a couple leagues, I think like in the 15th round or something. So he's, uh, he's definitely outplaying his draft value right there. Wow. Okay, who's number three? Uh, Jakob Voracek. He's really found his game since you know heading to Philadelphia a couple years ago. Um, he he was a point per game player in the lockout year, but I I never really thought I would see him tied atop you know the the league with Sidney Crosby in points and assists. Um, so what he's doing is, is really impressive, but it's most impressive because the Flyers really aren't playing that well. I mean they're in the middle of the pack in scoring, but just Borchek and Giroux are just lighting it up still. So he's been a point per game player in the past, and I think he can maintain this. Will I do I think he's going to lead the league in points? Probably not. But uh, he's been absolutely outstanding, and he should definitely keep it going. Well, yeah, so far, 33 points in 25 games. So even if he kind of slumps for a bit and, you know, puts up only a 60-point pace for the rest of the season, he would still be almost a point-per-game player. It's fantastic. Yeah, like I, like I said, I just never really expected this kind of output. I mean, I knew he was a great player. Um, I think I had him projected for 70 points this year, but... I think he's on pace for 100 right now, 108 points on pace for 108 points. So he's just been ridiculous. So would you say that he's still a 70 point player that's currently just overproducing? Like, is he a sell high or do you think now he is actually playing in a way where you're convinced that he will be above the 70 points that you projected at the end of the year? Uh, The way he's going right now, it's hard to really argue with the fact that he can be a point per game player. Um, I think selling him high could be a good idea because when you're leading the league in points, I mean, you can get a lot back for that. Um, but I think he's definitely a point-per-game player, and my projections at the start of the year is I was just selling him a little short. All right, so we've got Tarasenko, Forsberg, Voracek. Who's next? Uh, Tyson Berry in Colorado. It was hard for me to call him unexpected because he's kind of on pace with what I had him projected to start the year, but I never really thought the, the Avalanche offense would be struggling as much as it is. So just, if you would have told me at the start of the year this is what the Avs were going to be, I don't think I would have had Barry projected for as much as he, he, he was. And right now he's leading the league, or sorry, not leading the league, leading the abs in points uh, with 19 and 25 games. He leads them in power play minutes, and that likely won't change the way, uh, the way things are going in Colorado right now. So he's really just blowing my expectations out of the waters ter- in terms of how 
Colorado is playing and how he's doing with uh, with a struggling offense there. Yeah, he rounds out a pretty eclectic group of defensemen who are in the top five of defenseman points at this point in the season. You know, like Carlson and Subban, they're nowhere in the list, but Mark Giordano, TJ Brody, Sammy Vatnin, Tyson Berry are in the list. So who would have guessed that at the start of the year? Yeah, I, uh, I really like Mark Giordano, but what he's doing right now is just crazy. He's been phenomenal. And I know our, our friends over at Flames Nations are, are just loving it right now. Yeah, I can imagine. He's basically propelled himself into this upper echelon of defensemen. It's insane. Like people are already asking us on Twitter and in the, our uh, Facebook group, you know, whether they should be trading Carlson for Giordano. I definitely didn't expect to get questions like that at this point in the season or ever. <laughs> yeah, no, I think he was kind of uh, just on the outside looking in there, just on the brink of the top 10. And uh, he's definitely vaulted himself right into the top five, maybe even top three. Yeah, it's crazy to think because we were actually talking about Tyson Barry. I remember last year, Barry was a free agent in my league. I picked him up at one point, And the concern with him was he was getting benched every once in a while, not getting such great minutes. He was putting up points whenever he played but he didn't seem to get enough ice time to make him you know, someone that you could really rely on. But this season, clearly Patrick Waugh has changed his mind and Barry's playing over 20 minutes a game. And you know, like you say, 19 points in 25 games, you can't complain about that. No, definitely not. I think uh, a lot of it has to do with injuries in Colorado and he's kind of just had to step up and he's, he's answered the bell and it's paid off for Patrick Waugh. For sure. Also a plus two rating for someone on Colorado who... You know, Colorado hasn't been a great possession team this year, so that's also impressive. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so who rounds out your five players who have exceeded your expectations so far into the season? Well, I thought I should uh, include a goaltender in this list, so um, has to be Yaroslav Halak. I mean, we've seen strong play from Halak in the past, uh, but what he's been able to do in his first year with, you know, on Long Island has been sensational. Uh, he's got a career 236 goals against, but this year he's posted uh, 212 goals against with a 920, 925 save percentage. Um, he entered tonight with a 10-game winning streak, which is just crazy. And he's become a legit you know, number one goaltender in fantasy. And that's huge for, for a lot of people who drafted him probably as a number two. So he's been uh, exceeding expectations. And I don't really see him slowing down because that offense is, is great. And they're limiting all the shots against him. So he should continue right at the pace he's at right now. Right. And even if they do take more shots against him, he's got a 925 save percentage. So he's going to stop a lot of them yeah. if he can keep that up. I mean, you, I mean, it's hard to expect somebody to continue, you know, a 10-game winning streak, but he's definitely been off to a hot start, and the way things are going, they should definitely be a playoff team, and he's going to be the one to get them there. All right, so you got to take the good with the bad. Those were your top five players who exceeded your expectations. Who would you say are your five players who have not met your expectations, players who have let you down this season? Well, I think we can all agree on Alex Semin. Um, I'm not really sure what happened to him this year. Um, he actually scored his. He got a goal tonight. Yeah, he scored his first goal tonight. Thank God, finally. But I mean, this is a guy that used to, you know, he was a for, former forty-goal scorer. Um, he had twenty-plus goals in I think seven of his first nine seasons, and uh, you know, he's got one of the best wrist shots in the league. But I mean, he's always kind of had that dark cloud hanging over his head that he's, you know, not a competitor, and he's he's been a healthy scratch on multiple occasions this year, and it's just been a really, really terrible, terrible two months uh, to start the year for him. Yeah, for sure. I guess he has nowhere to go but up. At this point, if he was a free agent, would you pick him up or is he just like leave him in the bin? You know what? Um, in deeper leagues, um, I definitely think I would add him. I mean, as long as you have somebody on your roster that, you know, you can drop that, you know, you don't think you're losing big on. So with that kind of wrister and that kind of offensive upside, I mean, he's kind of a, a low risk, high reward addition right now. And I think he, he's available in 
41% of Yahoo leagues right now. So he's definitely readily available. All right. So Semin is definitely a good name to start that list. I'm sure Brian is listening to this and cringing. He actually just recently finally dropped Semin after hanging on to him for so long. And now he scores a goal tonight. So it's kind of delicious in a sad way. But who's number two on your list? I'm going to go with a couple of guys from Minnesota. Uh, Thomas Vanek. I mean, I expected a little bit of uh, for him to take some time to kind of get used to his new surroundings and stuff. But he is a perennial 60-point player. And uh, this has just been a dreadful start to the season. Uh, there's tons of talent in Minnesota. But right now, he's on the third line playing next to Kyle Brodziak. And even today, he just got bumped from the top power play unit to the second unit. So, I mean, he just continues to trend downward. And it's been a, just a horrible start to the year. And then the same can be said with Miko Koivu. He... He had just two goals and three assists in his first 19 games, but he's finally starting to get it going. Uh, he's got four points in his last five games, so he's definitely worth a look in leagues because he's another guy who's just a great playmaker playing with great players, so points should be on the horizon, but with a start like that, it, it, it's been just disappointing. Well, it looks like he's got five points in his last five games, so maybe Miku Koivu has turned it around, and unlike Vanek, who you say has fallen off the first power play, Koivu's at least still up there, so I definitely would want... Koivu over the two but yeah definitely disappointing for both of them yeah I mean with all the talent there I was expecting a lot more goals out of Minnesota uh, but Koivu is just you know he's a great playmaker and you'd, you'd expect you know just the points he used to be a guy that you could just plug in your lineup and he would just constantly con- or consistently pick up assists and you you know nothing crazy out of him but you could just be content and then this year it's not been the case man I'm having a lot of fun trying to guess who else you're gonna say I feel like you could definitely name a lot of players out of Colorado uh, maybe Buffalo, but okay, who's number four on your list? Or was Koivu and Vanek, did they share a spot or were they two and three? They actually, yeah, you're right there. They did share a spot. I actually have six guys that I'm disappointed in. <laughs> All right, so who's number three? Well, I kind of avoided the Colorado guys because they were a little bit obvious um, and they are starting to kind of pick it up now. This guy is kind of out of the blue because he's really not been too, too bad, but James Neal, um, he had an assist tonight, which snapped a seven-game pointless streak, and he hasn't been too bad but it's just crazy to look at the production of Mike Ribeiro and Forsberg. If you would have told me at the start of the year that would be a line, I never would have guessed Neil would be the lowest producing forward on that line. But the reason I think I wanted to mention him in this, in this segment is because if you have uh, Forsberg or Ribeiro, it would definitely be a good idea, I think, to target Neil because he's a, he's a perennial 30-goal scorer, and the way that line's clicking right now, it's only a matter of time before the goals start going to him. And he should definitely finish with 30 goals. And if you can put him with, like I said, Forsberg or Ribeiro, I think that'd be real good. Well, he's definitely taking a lot of shots. It must be a pretty low shooting percentage, I'd imagine, especially over this last stretch where he hasn't scored a goal for eight games. I see just a couple of days ago against Carolina, he took eight shots and nothing went in for him. Yeah, that's why, that's why he's a guy that you need to target before he does start just piling on the goals. That line is red hot. I mean, Forsberg's having no trouble finding the back of the net, so I think it's only a matter of time before they start you know, going in for Neil. All right, so who's next on your list? A couple of goaltenders. Mike Smith has just been... I, oh, I know, my gosh. I know on the, on the first time you had me on the show, I, I mentioned maybe he'd be somebody to buy low because he was off to a, uh, you know, a bad start. <laughs> I really hope not too many listeners you know, took my advice on that one because he's just been terrible. Um, I sent out a tweet today that said, uh, Smith, in his first three years in Arizona, was 80, 51, and 25 with a 242 goals against and 921 save percentage. I mean, those are, those are great fantasy numbers, you know, and that's who he's been for years. But then this year, 5, 12, and 3, the 323 goals against average and a, a save percentage under 900, it's just, it's been a rough go. 
and he's being outplayed by Devin Dubnik of all of all people. Yeah, who was almost out of the league last year. Yeah, it's tough to imagine. I mean, it's funny to see Arizona continue to go with Smith instead of you know trying to give Dubnik some starts. But I mean, they have faith in him, and I I know they're trying to get him to turn things around. Um, so hopefully for fantasy investors, uh, you know, it happens sooner rather than later. But you know, he just continues to be dropped in in all leagues, and I don't blame anybody. So okay, let me give you the seven question for Mike Smith. Do you pick him up at this point? Is he a, a buy low target still, or at this point enough? I mean, if he gets if he's dropped and you need help at goalie, I think you kind of have to add him because of what he's done in the past. He's just a guy like it's hard to find guys that are going to start a ton of games on free agency. So if the Coyotes continue to ride him like the, like they are, you might as well add him and hope you know just leave him on your bench for a bit and just hope that he starts picking it up and you can start plugging him into your lineup. Yeah, I guess it doesn't help that even if he does play well, the Coyotes don't seem to score too many goals. So you need a lot to go right in order to get a win out of Mike Smith. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's been a, just a dreadful start. Okay, so you've got one more goalie. Oh man, I'd love to try to guess. Oh, and the good thing is I could edit so I can make it seem like I guessed it right away. Uh, oh, I know who it is. Kyrie Lettinen. Yep, you got it. All right. I was going alphabetically through the league. It's a good thing it wasn't someone in Washington or it would have taken me longer. <laughs> no, yeah, the Stars, they're just brutal defensively. Um, I watched them play the Wings tonight. And, you know, fortunately for me, the Wings were all over them. Um, they had a, a ton of defensive breakdowns. And I think they have the, the worst, you know, team goals against in the league. I'm sure that wasn't helped by Anders Lindback's terrible five starts, but Lennon's not been good either. But if, like, kind of similar to Smith, if you look past the lockout year, he was great in 2011-12 and he was great last year. And then this seemed to be the best Stars team that he's played on to date, but he hasn't been able to put it together. I mean, the offense is there. They're a top 10 scoring team, I believe, but there's just, they need to start playing some D and in Dallas. It's just not happening for him right now. Yeah, today uh, was the first day of the new era of UC Renus. So uh, he didn't do so well, though, tonight against Detroit. So Lettinen definitely still has a job. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I think that this, I just, I don't know why. I get this feeling like the Stars will turn it around and Lettinen will have value, you know, come the end of the year in the fantasy hockey playoffs. Just, they have so much talent up front. You know, you'd think they'll be able to win some games. They just have to figure out what's going on defensively. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of offense to go around. They have some talented offensive defensemen in the back end as well. But yeah, defensively, they're just a mess. But I, I do agree. He's If he, somebody like him gets dropped, then I definitely pounce on him over Mike Smith, that's for sure. But hopefully the Stars, you know, turn things around because there's just too much talent there for them, for them to play this poorly. All right. So those are your biggest disappointments. And since this is the first quarter in review, that means also we need to look into the second quarter of the NHL season. So who would you say are some players to target for the second quarter? Who are your buy low candidates? Uh, well, I definitely would start with Paul Stastny. And I think he was in one of your guys' bets, was he not? Yes, he was. Stastny versus Pavelski. So far, I'm killing Brian in that one. But now he actually traded for Pavelski in one of his leagues. So we're sort of Pavelski fans, yet he still cheers against him. It's very complicated. <laughs> no, Stastny's off to a rough start. He battled some injuries. And then the emergence of Tarasenko and Latera have really kind of just plagued Stastny's production through the first uh, two months. Um, he's got just seven, t- seven points in 17 games, but he's still playing with a ton of talented forwards, and he's playing nearly three minutes a night on the top power play unit, and the Blues 
you know, have the 10th best power play in the league. So all these other guys are getting, you know, the points. So I think Stastny's on the horizon. They have to start coming sooner than later. He's, he's too talented of a player to, to be held off the score sheet this often. Yeah, well, it looks like the Blues are finally doing some line shuffling. I see Schwartz is actually off that hot line with Lettera and Tarasenko, and he's playing with Stastny and Oshie, which you would think it should be a pretty good line. I agree with you. If, if Stastny's on this line and on the top power play, he's got to get some points. Not enough to beat Pavelski, but... I think that he definitely makes a good buy-low candidate. And I've seen a lot of people in different leagues talking about dropping him. And so definitely if he's dropped, you should pick him up. But also maybe it's a good time to make a trade request. Yeah, I mean, somebody that you, you know you picked up off free agency might as well send an offer for Stastny because when owners look at seven points, um, they're probably you know pretty willing to part ways with him. All right, so do you have another buy-low candidate for us? Yeah, uh, Andre Kopitar. This is a guy that's a lock for mid-70s in points almost every year, but just 12 points through the first 22 games entering tonight, puts him on pace for 43 points this year. I mean, he had 42 in the lockout year, so that's how bad he's been to start the season. But he's a guy, like I said, mid-70 points every year. So let's say he finds that form for the you know the rest of the year. He's going to finish anywhere between 60 and, and 70 points again. So he's definitely a guy that needs to be looked at you know in terms of buy low because the way he's playing right now is not a reflection of what kind of player he is in, in, in fantasy world. Yeah, it's so crazy that these other players on Los Angeles had such hot starts. You know, the Tanner Pearsons and the Tyler Toffoli's and Anche Kopitar is, you know, falling behind. But I'd imagine at the end of the year, you'd expect Kopitar's going to be at the top again. Yeah, I like almost 60 games left in the year. He's a guy that doesn't miss a lot of time. So getting him on your on your team, you know, you're going to be able to plug him in and he's he's going to be there every night, but he needs to start producing. And it, it's only a matter of time before that happens, I think. All right, Brock, give us one more, one more Bilo candidate. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist. I'm going to continue my uh, my trend with goalies here. He's had cold starts the last couple of years. The first two months have been iffy, and then he just starts picking it up, and he becomes you know King Henrik and just starts tearing it up into the from January on into the playoffs. So he's definitely a guy that is worth trying to take a crack at. I mean, you're still going to have to give up big names because he's a big name, but you're going to be able to get him for a reasonably lower price than you would be if he was on the top of his game. I mean, he's got a 270 goals against, 905 save percentage. Those are not Henrik Lundqvist numbers at all, and that might have some of his owners a little feeling a little uneasy, and it might make it a little easier for you to you know work a deal out. Okay, so here's my question for you then. You have Lundqvist as a buy low. You also had Halak as one of your you know, big surprises at this point. Let's say if you have Halak on your team and someone offers you Lundqvist or vice versa, who would you rather have going forward for the rest of the season? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I think I would rather have Lundqvist. He just, I mean, Halak is great and he, he's been great for years, but Lundqvist, is, it's, he's King Henrik. He's got a more proven track record. Um, the Rangers are definitely a playoff team, although I do think the Islanders are as well. I think if I had to take one of them from here on out, I would take Lundqvist. However, I do think it'll be close. Yeah, well, definitely if you want to buy low on Lundqvist, now's the time, especially after his last game against Tampa Bay where he led in five goals and 20 shots. He might have some very frustrated owners this morning. Yeah, he's like I said, those numbers are not Lundqvist numbers and owners are probably looking at him like, come on, what do you, when is he going to pick it up? And that's, that's when you got to pounce. For sure. So yeah, I think that's a tough question. Um, Halak and Lundqvist, that is a good one. But I think ultimately I would go Lundqvist just because of the track record. I'm actually very interested to see what's going to happen for the rest of the season with goaltenders. I remember at the beginning of the year, it was sort of the opinion of a lot of people that there was Rask and Lundqvist at the top of the goalie tier. And then there was sort of like everyone else was a tier below. But now so many goalies have emerged. You know, you mentioned Halak, but also guys like Rene and 
Bishop and Marc-Andre Fleury. Like, there's a lot of goalies now that I feel like should contend for being in that top tier. So we'll see how it all shakes out at the end of the year. I wonder if Lundqvist will be drafted as high next year as he was this year. Obviously, he has to improve quite a bit. Yeah, hopefully he does what he's been doing for the last couple of years. And, you know, these first two months are kind of just a, a mirage. And then the rest of the year, it's just regular old Lundqvist again. And he finishes the year with fantastic numbers. But uh, I just wanted to touch on Rene real quick. He's been... Last year was just so so upsetting for, for him, I'm sure, because the injury. And this year he's back in top form and he looks elite. And he's been off to a, you know, a tremendous start. That Nashville team is just so impressive. It's, they're super fun to watch, which is weird to say about Nashville because they had been one of the most boring teams for their whole existence under Barry Trotz. But Peter Laviolette has them playing some, some exciting hockey now. All right, well, thanks for this detailed update. This has been a great quarterly review. We definitely will want to have you back in a couple of months to recap quarter two of the NHL season. But before you go, how about let's make a prediction. We're a quarter of the way in. Currently, the race for the Art Ross Trophy for the most points, it's pretty close. You've already mentioned Jacob Voracek. Obviously, Crosby is right up there tied with him. There's guys like Sagan, Malkin, Stamkos, Giroux in the mix. Who do you think at the end of the year is going to take it? I drafted uh, Stamkos over Crosby um, this year, so it, it would be tough for me to bet against Stamkos. Um, I've heard some rumors that, that say that Stamkos still isn't at 100%. Um, I don't know how true those are, but um, if they are true and he's you know, been able to put up 16 goals and 16 assists to, uh, you know, through 27 games, if, when he gets at 100% again, he's going to be impossible to stop. I could see him maybe taking you know, the Rocket Richard and the Art Ross this year. Oh, wow. So, you know, I was expecting that we would both say Crosby, and then I would go, who's going to be the second place guy? But you say Stamkos number one, I'm going to say Crosby number one. I feel like just he's the safe choice. If I had to put money on it, Sidney Crosby is going to win the Art Ross unless he gets injured. Then maybe Stamkos, or I also like Tyler Sagan as a sleeper. He's definitely emerged as one of the top scorers in the league. And I could also see Jamie Benn sort of starting to catch up to him as the season progresses. Yeah, Sagan's off to a, a real good start as well. Um, it was kind of foreshadowed by his, his great year last year. Him and Ben really have some magic together. So that's not a bad pick either. I mean, he's tied with Stamkos right now, so I can't blame you for that one. All right. Well, thanks again for, for joining us on Keeping Carlson. Keep up all the great work with Daily Faceoff. You know, I check it out every day and it's it's been invaluable. I mentioned on the last podcast how I didn't check it out one day and I almost messed up because I didn't realize that Tokarski was playing over uh, Carey Price. So I need to even use Daily Faceoff even more. But okay, before you go, I guess, uh, how can people follow you? I assume you have a Twitter account? Yep. Um, they can follow Daily Faceoff on Twitter at, at Daily Faceoff. And if you guys feel like following me on Twitter as well, it's at Brock, B-R-O-C-K, underscore Segan, same as Tyler Segan. <laughs> I could use all the followers I can get these days. But uh, thanks again for having me, Elon. It's, uh, it's always a pleasure, and I'm looking forward to be, being back in a, in a couple months. And uh, hopefully by then, the Dallas Stars are playing a little bit better defense and Kari Lettinen's uh, not in the cellar anymore. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see which players stay in the same position that they were this episode and uh, who will emerge to be your high expectations and low expectations guys next time. But yeah, thanks again, and we'll definitely be talking to you again soon.
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, there was my chat with Brock Sagan, friend of the podcast. Always a pleasure when he could come on. Brian and I would love to get your feedback on what you think of these bonus Keeping Carlson episodes. So let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at Keeping Carlson. And if you enjoy these bonus episodes, you could always thank us by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. We always appreciate that. And also you could look into becoming a patron of Keeping Carlson by going to keepingcarlson.com slash patron. But anyway, that's all from me for tonight. So let's cue that outro music. And we'll be back with our next regular episode on Sunday. 